Welcome to Personal Development Interviews with authors, influencers, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and more. This is podcast host 007, R.T. Johnson III, Certified Cognitive Behavioral Life Coach Practitioner and Behavioral Health Specialist of Southern California and surrounding areas. Today, we have Miss Doris here with us to share answers to the questions that her listeners have been having for long periods of time. Hello, Miss Doris. How are you today? Hello, hello. I am well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to share with you and the audience about my book. Awesome, awesome. And we're excited to have you on the show. And thank you for your support and, and, and understanding and patience with the process. Thank you so much. All right. You're quite welcome. Awesome. So let's get right into it. What is your book about? My book is about how our mindset impacts our lives and those of our children as we raise them into adulthood. What kinds of actions and behaviors do we exhibit to our children on a day-to-day basis that result in impacting how they see themselves in this world and how they react to it. That is awesome. Thank you. Yes, yes. So now what inspired you to write your book? Well, actually a number of things inspired me. Uh, first of all, I'm a parent myself. I have three daughters um, who have left me with nine grandchildren and wow. five great-grandchildren. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, I've had an opportunity to be in that role of parenting for quite some time. But in addition to that, I have spent a great amount of time working with children in various capacities in the corporate world. I work with children through the um, Boy Scouts Explorer program. I worked with them through our business Um, cooperation effort with uh, various schools where you go in and you talk to students about various things through the Junior um, Achievement Program. I've also been a substitute teacher for a number of years, and I've done substituting from pre-K all the way up through high school and as a tutor at my church. So I've had an opportunity to be interactive with children of all ages for a long period of time. Mm. And so as all of that has occurred over the years, and it really came to fruition with when I began to substitute teach, and I began to see what some of the students were dealing with on a daily basis. Right. And it just, it just really hit home to me that we never know what our kids are going through when we see them in the classroom, when we see them in a tutoring session, what are they going home to? What are they dealing with on a daily basis? Right. And how is that impacting them and the way they see themselves in the world? That took me back to the role of the parent or the guardian. We are our children's first and most important role models. And we should be taking that very seriously. But unfortunately, statistics are telling us a different story. And if you look at what's going on today, 
you have to ask yourself, when did all this start? Why are these people behaving the way they are? What has influenced them throughout their growing up years that led them to where they are today? Right. Mindset. It gets back to what you see over a daily period. We learn what we live every day. This is what you begin to see. That is so true. That is so true. Wow, Absolutely. thank you. Wow. So so now, this next question, I, you've inspired myself so many ways, and, and I'm sure so many others. Now, how does everything you, how, from your perspective, how does everything that you do inspire others? Well, I think part of that inspiration comes from me helping as many ways as I can to help others see for themselves what's going on. I will ask questions. I will put scenarios in front of them. And some of those are in the book, as a matter of fact. Okay. And uh, Several people have come back to me after reading the book and told me, wow, I didn't even think about it that way until I read it in your book or... You've made me think about them so much differently now. And wow, I can't believe I was thinking that way without even realizing it. So much of what we do is unconscious. And until someone helps us to bring it to our conscious level, we continue to do it or not do it. And that continues to have the same impact on us kids that maybe we don't really want and don't realize we're doing. I've had people come back to me and tell me that they are so happy they had a chance to read the book because it opened up their minds to what they were doing or not doing that they should have been. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. It's, it's fundamentally getting to what is it that you want for your children? Right. So how does that benefit the children now? I mean, how does that... How is that a benefit to the children? I mean, I see, but how, I would I like to hear from you. How does how is it a benefit to the children? Well, let me put it this way: When I wrote this book, I realized that I am taking on the role as a voice for the children, because in so many ways, or in so many instances, our children don't know how to express what they truly feel. What they do is they act out. Their behavior oftentimes will tell you exactly what they're feeling. But you have to look beyond the behavior to understand what's driving it. And if we understand what's driving that behavior, it forces us to go back and say, okay, what has happened to give this child the impression that they should behave this way. Well, maybe they've been trying to tell you something and you haven't listened. This is their way of getting your attention. But we need to think about that. Our children behave based on the way they see themselves and their world around them. That world is developed or nurtured by us. We are the ones that create that culture that our children live in. We are the ones that drive what influences them, good or bad, positive or negative. So that is why I go back 
and I will continue to go back to our role as their first and foremost important role model. What are we teaching them? But then I ask the other question. How did you grow up? What kind of influences were you subjected to as a part of growing up? Because if you think about it, a lot of what happens is intergenerational. If I am used to living in an abusive situation and I don't know how to change it, when I have my children, I'm going to do the same thing with them because that's all I know. I learned what I lived every day and I pass it on to them. It becomes intergenerational until someone stops and says, what am I doing? Why is this happening? What do I need to do to change my mindset so that I can help my children? That's what it boils down to. We first have to understand ourselves. If you go to chapter one in my book, I talk about that in terms of what mindset is. It says, the title of it is, we are what we think. Our actions are a product of the way we think. If we repeat them often enough, they become an unconscious part of us, our habit. We automatically say or do without dwelling on them. They become a way of life for us. And I won't go any further, but that's to set the foundation of what happens over time driven by that mindset. But that mindset is nurtured while we are ourselves growing up. And depending on what kind of mindset we are developing, that's based on the culture of the environment that we live in and our other associations, our community. I talk about it in terms of a village. What does my village look like? What are the demographics of my village? Who's a part of my village besides my parents? If I live in a village that's always very negative in terms of the kinds of people that are in it, then that's all I know. I've got six people who wrote their own life experiences in my chapter two, which is walk a mile in my shoes. Mm. All, five, all six of these guys are currently incarcerated. Mm. Their life stories are so similar. Wow. And the, yes, their experiences and how they ended up where they are now all started when they were children because of the environment that they lived in. Their parents were either on drugs or doing other things that were illegal. They were associating with other people who were in the same area and doing the same kinds of things. So, of course, that became their life. They didn't know any different. It wasn't until they were incarcerated and forced to think about what got them there that they realized their mindset needed to change. And that's what a lot of them are actually doing right now. But it took going through that experience, whatever it was that they did to end up in prison, now they're in a position where they don't have a choice. They've got to think about it because they, they have no choice. They can't just walk out the door. But why did that happen? And what can we do to keep our children from following in their footsteps? That's the reason they actually shared those stories with me to help get the word out. Don't do this. Don't do that. Otherwise, you're going to end up like me. 
chapter three talks about the uh, uh, the school to prison pipeline. Wow. And I, I, have you heard that term before? No. Well, let me explain a little bit about it. Yeah, I have it not start, heard that term. I have not heard it. It is. It, this is a truly. I would say. I, I don't even know how to put it in the proper words because it's so demeaning and traumatic for our children. It started out in the 90s when um, I believe there was a sh the shooting in Columbine where they passed laws that prohibited having weapons in the school. They called it the zero tolerance policy. But over the years, that policy began to get expanded in the, in the school systems and used for a lot more than just gun policy. It began to be used in terms of punishing children for behaviors that might have been as minor as truancy right. or talking back to the teacher mm. or just things that children do. Right. Okay, they're still children. They're still growing. They're still evolving. But they're using that as a way to penalize so many of our children. Wow. And because of that, if our children get caught up in the criminal justice system for things as minor as that, and I know there are more serious issues, but those are some of the things that end up causing our children to get thrown into the prison system. Once they get in there, it's almost impossible to get out. The point is, what are we going to do to make sure they don't get in there? How are we going to teach them what behaviors could potentially put them in there? For, my, my thought here is, forewarned is forearmed. If you know what you should or should not be doing, then you have a weapon of your own that can protect you. But how do you know that as a child if no one teaches it to you? Right. And on the other side of that is the restorative practices approach, which is a lot less uh, in terms of penalizing. It's more like restoring. That's what that restorative means, working with our children to help them change their mindset and subsequently their behaviors. But you have to go into it with the thought that I don't want to hurt this child. I don't want to destroy this child. I want to redeem this child. Right. But there are a lot of school systems that still use the zero tolerance policy to manage discipline problems in the school system. Right. We, we need to get more restorative practices programs in the school system. This is why you see resource officers in the school systems because of that zero tolerance approach versus restorative practices. I've been reading a lot about that lately and I think I want to go to do a paper or a book on it because it's so important. Right. The other part of why I wrote this book is because we need to be teaching our children things like how do you recognize a positive role model when you see them versus what I call the wolf in sheep's clothing. If they don't understand the difference, they can get caught up in situations that they could never get out of because they didn't realize what they were doing. It happens every day. Mm. 
But we need to teach them, give them those tools, give them those weapons that they need to protect themselves. And oftentimes, we don't know any better ourselves. Right. We need to know as much as we need to teach them. We need to know it too. So that's the other thing I look at. One of the chapters is choose your heroes wisely. Right. Understand what a real positive role model looks like. What kinds of behaviors does a real positive role model exhibit? So you can tell the difference. Until we teach that to our children, they won't know. Right. The other thing is practicing what we preach. If you tell me as a child that I shouldn't do X, Y, and Z while you're doing X, Y, and Z, that's not practicing what I preach. Right. And when we, we do that often enough in front of our children, what we do is we demonstrate to them that we're hypocrites. Right. That they should not even bother to listen to what we're saying because we don't take ourselves seriously, so why should they? Right. Don't don't chew on chocolate, but we're chewing on chocolate. Every day. Right. Don't light up that cigarette. But oh honey, give me a match so I can light mine. You know well, I mean? that's the that's the really heavy part is people that smoke around children or mm-hmm. I don't that's that I, I would never understand that. That's not a normality to me or never been in my world. But OK, right. so how can we help? Well, what I really want to do is get the word out to our adults, those of us who are in a position to influence our children and work with them to make sure that we help them prevent themselves from getting into situations that they can't get out of. Recognize what positivity looks like, what negativity looks like, and what the potential outcomes of each of those will be depending on what you are doing. Mm. Uh, There's so many things that our kids need, but they aren't going to get them until... Someone in their lives who's around them often enough to be influential teaches them. It's the same thing that when we were children, we were being taught. Now, you can't teach very well that which you have never been taught yourself. That so it is makes so it very true. Difficult. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Mm. A lot of us don't know because we never went through it or never experienced it or never were taught. Mm. So how are you going to teach somebody else something that you don't even know about? Mm, mm, mm. You hear what I'm saying? I understand. Okay. All the other right. thing I'm looking at is uh, just, just making sure that we ourselves are cognizant of how what we do and say around our children right. is is received in a manner that shows positivity, strength and positivity. Right. Sense of self is an important part of that. One of my chapters talks about not allowing others to define you. That's a critical part of our teaching our children to be strong and have strong self-esteem and strong self-worth so somebody else can't come along and take advantage of them. But they have to be taught those things. And they can't be taught those things if we don't have them ourselves. So I ask a bunch of questions throughout the book. And I ask whoever the reader is to answer those questions for themselves honestly. 
Because if you don't do that, then you can't make changes for yourself and therefore help your child. That makes all the sense in the world. Well, we're out of time. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to express to your listeners before we go? I would first like to say thank you for listening. If anything I have said resonates for you, I would urge you to go out and get my book. Change your mindset. Save your child. Saving our children by healing ourselves. You will find it out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the other major bookstores. I believe wholeheartedly that this will be probably one of the best investments you'll ever make. Thank you for your time. And on that note, be well, everyone.